Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. It comes from John chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. This is where Jesus talks to the woman at the well. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Thanks, Julie. half your faces. Welcome to those watching online today too. Well, what an exciting week this has been. Has it been exciting for you? Oh, someone had an exciting week. Excellent. Well, it has been an exciting week for me. A group of um, friends that I've journeyed with over the last few years. This last season has been quite challenging and difficult for all of us in, in, a dif- in various ways. Nothing seemed to be easy. So my word for last year was complex. I don't know what your word was, but mine was complex. Nothing seemed to be simple. Everything was complicated. And so for this group of friends that, we, that I journeyed with, all of them had challenges, but 
this week, we had celebrations. For one of my friends, her, his, her son proposed to his girlfriend. Now, we knew it was going to be happening like for weeks, and we're waiting and waiting, but this week, he finally did it. She said yes, so that was good, um, and so they have reason to celebrate. Another friend of mine, she has a son with autism, so she's there have been some challenges along the way, but he started his first job on Monday for the first time, so that was a great cause of celebration for their family. And for me, what do you think my exciting news was this week? What was it? A baby. A baby? No, sorry, it wasn't a baby. <laughs> Not that I know about anyway. <laughs> no, it was the De Beer family. They landed in Australia. French wine, Angelique, landed here, and they're watching online this morning, so hello to you. It was so exciting for me to share that news because that has been a long-awaited, I think, three-year journey for me, a three-year prayer that was answered um, when they landed here on Monday. So great excitement happened in our little chat group that we had, and um, we had like emojis going everywhere. I think any kind of celebration emoji that you could imagine was up on the screen. So as we, as we talked about these messages, that was um, celebrations to us. The news just flowed out of us like you couldn't stop. It just went on and on. And if you are a follower of Jesus, we have good news to share with others. In fact, we have great news to share with others. And this news is better than an engagement. It's better than someone getting a job for the first time. And it's even better than a long-awaited prayer being answered. So this news is like the best news. It is the offer of eternal life through Christ that we have. And it gives people hope and it gives people life. But why is it that we find it so difficult to share this news? Like it was so easy for me to share the news about the De Beers with my friends, but to share the good news of the hope that Jesus brings, we find that quite challenging, don't we? And when we observe the life of Jesus, we notice that he was really good at sharing this good news. And he shared it with people that came across his path. It was the first thing on his mind and he knew that the news would make a difference to their life and he found ways to share it with them. But you say, well, I'm not Jesus, Julie. I find it really hard. Well, today we are going to look at how Jesus shares this good news because there are some things for us to learn from him so that we can also practice doing it in our lives that will help us to become more like him and much better at sharing this news that changes lives. So as we continue in our Believe series, going through the Gospel of John, we're in John chapter 4 today. Let's just pause for a moment before we start and let's pray to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word that has insights for us into how to live as a follower of you. And I pray that today we would have open hearts to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. May it um, settle deep within our souls, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles open or you can have a look up at the screen, we're starting in verse 1 of John 4. Now it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. 
Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So we read that Jesus left Judea, which was like the headquarters of the Jewish religious establishment. And this is where the Pharisees were, like the upholders of the Jewish law. These were religious men who had a lot of influence. And they were starting to take notice of Jesus, and not in a good way, I might say. So he decided to leave Judea and travel with his disciples to Galilee. So if you find that a bit difficult to to picture in your mind, I do too. I always need a map. So if you take a look at the map, down in the bottom light yellow section is Judea. And then up there in the... Two two up is Galilee. So you can see that in between Judea and Galilee is Samaria in the purple, right in between. So the quickest route, obviously, to get from Judea to Galilee is straight through Samaria, isn't it? But for some reason, the Jews, all Jews actually of the time, they decided to travel around Samaria when they ever from Judea to Galilee. They would not go through it. The reason? Well, let's just say that they had a predisposed opinion about the Samaritans. They viewed them as a people who were unclean. They called them half-breeds. They saw them as not following the truth correctly, and so they did not want to mix with them in case they made them unclean. They made a judgment against a whole group of people that caused them to avoid them at all costs. Now, before we get too high and mighty, let's just stop for a minute. Do we do that? We just celebrated Australia Day this week, and we know the history of our country and how we made judgments against a whole group of people. We can do that as a nation, as a community, and we can do that as individuals as well. The Jews of this time did that to the Samaritans. Yet it says in verse 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to. What is that saying? Like it doesn't mean that there weren't any other options for travel or any other roads that he could take, but that it was necessary for him to go through Samaria. Why was it necessary? Well, it was necessary because there were people there who needed him, who needed to hear the good news, this good news of eternal life. And it was necessary for his disciples to learn this. So just imagine yourself as one of these disciples. So what would have been going through your mind as you're walking along, you're following Jesus, and you're suddenly realizing that he's not veering to the right, we're we're going straight ahead. Like what would have been going through your mind? Like we shouldn't be going this way, Jesus. These, These people, they're gonna make us unclean. They're not worth our time. Don't you understand, Jesus? We can't mix with these people. The Bible doesn't record the conversation or the dialogue that occurred, but I'm pretty sure there was something going on there. But Jesus didn't see the Samaritans the way the disciples saw them. So it says in verse five, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. 
And in verse 8 it says, and we learn that his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So the disciples find themselves in a place that they normally would never choose to have been in. And now they had to go and buy food. So there wasn't any drive-throughs, no KFC, sorry, Roger, no KFC at at this point in time. You couldn't just talk into the microphone and give your order and pick it up on the way through. No, they had to go to the marketplace to buy food. They had to barter, probably, for price and haggle over price, going from stall to stall to buy the necessary food for Jesus and for them to eat. So lots of bumping into people, right in the middle of the town, among all the Samaritans. And even though they spent all of this time with the people, because of their predisposed opinion about Samaritans, the disciples didn't even register that these people were worth sharing the good news that Jesus was in fact in town. He was at the well. What was their focus? Their focus was food. Their attention was taken up with their task and themselves, their hunger, their discomfort. They just wanted to get the job done, get out of there. But Jesus, on the other hand, he was sitting by a well. And there was just one woman walking towards him to draw water from the well. Jesus was weary And I'm sure it was hot, it was middle of the day, it was lunchtime, so he was probably hungry and he was thirsty. And I don't know about you, but when I have not eaten, I get a bit hangry. That's like hungry and angry all at once. I am certainly not in the mood to have a deep spiritual conversation. I need feeding and watering. But Jesus could have so easily just focused on himself in this moment, just focused on his needs, But he put that aside and he looked beyond himself to someone who had a greater need. And this is the first thing that we can learn from Jesus. Point number one, if you are taking notes, pay attention to who God brings into your world. The disciples were surrounded by people, but they didn't notice any of them. They were intent on their task. They were not paying attention to the people and their mindset was not on sharing God's good news. They were caught up in what they were doing. But Jesus, despite his needs, paid attention to the one person that was in his view, a woman from Samaria. This was not planned, but Jesus paid attention to who was coming across his path. He had the ability to look beyond himself Everything else diminished in importance to what was the most important in that moment, which was sharing the hope of the gospel with people who were lost and needed to hear it. Commentators agree that it's likely that this woman was coming to the well in the heat of the day because people didn't approve of how she lived her life. Even people in her own community didn't want to associate with her. So she came when no one else was around. But that didn't stop Jesus. Last week, Roger shared the story of Nicodemus, a respected Jewish leader who came by night to Jesus. Now here we have this nameless Samaritan woman who is an outcast in her community coming in the heat of the day. 
Now, Nicodemus and this woman had nothing in common. They were complete opposites in society, except they were both ordinary people who needed Jesus. So as we look at the disciples and how they reacted, and we look at Jesus, who are you more like, the disciples or Jesus? I think if we are honest, most of us would probably admit that we can be more like the disciples than Jesus. When we have needs ourselves, when we have stuff to do, that's where our focus is. And in fact, as a culture generally, we have become more concerned with ourselves than with others. Now, I'm not sure if it's because life is so full on and complex and we just get overwhelmed or whether it's just this learned cultural habit that we have. But whatever it is, how do you move from being like the disciples, only concerned with ourselves, to more like Jesus? Jesus noticed a woman even though he was in need himself. His focus was not inward, it was outward. He looked around and noticed who God was bringing into his world. And this became his priority. This was an opportunity to bring hope and introduce her to life. So what is going to have to happen in us for us, for us to have this same outlook as Jesus? I suspect that it's going to take a radical shift in our mindset and our behavior if we are to live like that naturally, to be able to naturally look outside of ourselves and to cultivate a heart that loves and has compassion for those who don't yet know Jesus, to have that as our focus, as the most important thing above everything else. So how do we create this shift in our mindset and our behavior? I mean, Jesus just did it naturally, and we know that we're not quite like Jesus yet. But as his followers, we want to learn. We want to learn what he did so that we can become like him. But for us, it doesn't come naturally. So it's going to require an intention as we learn from Jesus, a discipline that we practice as we allow God's spirit to work in our heart and on our attitudes. Every morning, I put my glasses on so I can see. I don't forget to put them on because if I don't put them on, everything is kind of out of focus and blurry. So I remember every morning to put my glasses on. In the same way, every morning, I need to put on my spiritual glasses so that I can see people the same way that Jesus does. It needs to become a habit that that's how I enter my day. Perhaps this is a simple thing that we can practice this week, every morning. Put on your spiritual glasses. And then pray a prayer of intent, something like, Jesus, help me. Help me to pay attention to who you are bringing across my path today. And if you want to go further than that, if you want to do an experiment this week, why don't you make a list of all of the people that come across your path this week? Every person, maybe from your family, person that makes your coffee, people at work, in your neighborhood, wherever it is, make a list and see how many people, how many different people God brings across your path in just one week. And once you start to pay attention, let's take a look at what Jesus does next. In verse 7 it says, 
Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. In verse 9 it says, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So the second thing that Jesus did was to engage in conversation, starting with the ordinary. So Jesus started a conversation with this woman. In verse 9, it says that the woman was surprised that Jesus spoke to her simply because he was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. And she was also a woman and a woman of ill repute. She was coming to the well in the heat of the day, not with the other women. But Jesus was not confined to what society thought were the right protocols. He paid attention to the people around him, no matter who they were, and then he took the opportunity to engage in conversation. And what was the conversation about? Verse 7, Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. She was coming to a well to draw water, so that's what Jesus used as the starting point of his conversation. He started with the ordinary. He started with water. He didn't start with her life and how much of a mess that it was in, even though he knew about that. He didn't start with asking her why she was alone in the middle of the day, what is going on for you. He started with something just ordinary, something non-threatening, something that we all need and we all use, water. Now, I know farmers who could talk about water till the cows came home. I have a rain gauge at my home, and after we've had some rain, I'll often, often message Dave out at Mudapilly, see how much rain he had, and we do the whole comparing thing. It's a great topic of conversation, because we all need water. Everyone can talk about it. It's a great starting point of a conversation. So what are the ordinary, everyday topics that you have in common with people that come across your path? Well, COVID is easy, but maybe you might want to avoid that one, I don't know. Um, but what about family, or school, or jobs, or food, or sport, or nature? There is a whole list of topics that is common to everyone. It's easy to use one of these ordinary topics to engage in a conversation with anyone. So once you have your spiritual glasses on and you're noticing that the, peop the people that God is bringing across your path, then we engage in conversation with them about ordinary, everyday things. Then what? Let's take a look at verse 10. It says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus used water as a starting point for their conversation, but he didn't just keep talking about water. He intentionally, and this is the third point, he intentionally steered the conversation to spiritual things. Have you ever had those conversations with people who don't yet know Jesus and the topic could have easily been steered into a deeper conversation but you just didn't go there? I certainly have. You come away kind of feeling, ah, oh, I think I missed an opportunity there. And there are a lot of reasons why we don't go there. But I think the biggest one is fear. 
We're fearful about where the conversation might go if we steer it there. I mean, what if they ask something and I don't know the answer to the question and I look stupid? Or what if they mock me about what I believe or, or, or I could just end up feeling ridiculous? All of this kind of goes through your mind in a second and, and then we've missed it. We've missed the opportunity. Jesus could have just kept chatting about water. He could have just said, thanks for the drink and see you later. I mean, I'm sure he would have appreciated just a quiet moment to himself. But he intentionally engaged the woman in conversation about ordinary things and then he intentionally steered it to the spiritual. So how do we do that? How do we steer a conversation from the ordinary things to something more spiritual? I mean, that's the hard part, isn't it? I think we all find this difficult. So for most of us, this won't come naturally, and it will take effort on our part. It will take intentionality, and it will take practice until it becomes natural. I used to be dreadful at this, and still am most of the time, but I'm practicing, and it's starting to get easier. Often, when we are just content to talk about water, I mean, it's safer to talk about water. And yes, we are building relationships with people, but Jesus loved people too much to be content to just leave it there, to just talk about water. He had so much compassion for them, and this motivated him to speak to them about the thing that is the most important thing, more important than water that will quench our thirst, but water that will give life to our soul. So somehow we need to move from the ordinary to the spiritual. How do we do this? I find that having like a few phrases that I can use that poses a connecting thought or a question just to steer the conversation toward a deeper place is helpful. And it takes practice. So for example, maybe if you're talking about kids with someone, you're talking about your kids, maybe it's just as simple as an invitation to play group or to youth group, and that will open the conversation as to what that's all about. Perhaps if someone is facing a family crisis, that's a great opportunity for you to share how you deal with crisis in your life by having a God who strengthens you and upholds you in it. If you're talking about nature, it's easy to connect to God the creator and how amazing he is. This week, I was at a remedial massage. I have an appointment every six weeks because I've had problems with my back, so it just kind of keeps it in check. And my therapist, she loves to chat, so it's not a quiet hour at all. And she talks about a whole range of things. Anyway, on Thursday, we were talking, I don't know, the conversation went to animals, and she is an animal lover, I'm an animal lover, so we were chatting about that. And she was saying that she was so amazed at how animals just seem to have this sense about when things are going to happen. I think she was talking to me about galahs and how they don't um, give birth to young while the drought's on. They wait until the drought is over. So when you see baby galahs, you know that the drought has broken. I did not know that, but apparently that's the story. And then when she talked about how dogs just have this sense of when their owner is coming home from work and they'll go and wait at the front gate. And um, so I could have just gone, yeah, that's amazing, yeah, and just kind of went along with her conversation. But 
I had my spiritual glasses on that day and I thought, ah. I said something like, yeah, I think we have to realize that, you know, we don't know everything that's in this world. There's a lot of mystery. And I believe that God has created amazing things that we are still discovering. I find it hard to believe that this all just happened. I believe that there's a God, a loving God, who created these unique animals with all of their little habits and quirks. And she agreed with me. And, she's, and I would love to say that she gave her heart to Jesus right then and there, but she didn't. She didn't. She's on a journey. But you know what? I visit her every six weeks, so <laughs> um, there is a chance to have another conversation. But a seed was planted there. And well, another seed might be planted in six weeks' time, but other people will come across her path that plant seeds as well. And eventually, those seeds will take root and they will grow. Wouldn't it be amazing if this week, each one of us practiced putting on our spiritual glasses and we paid attention to who God was bringing across our path this week. And we were intentional about engaging them in conversation, starting with ordinary things, water, weather, work, whatever it is. And then even in one conversation this week, one conversation, if we practice steering it towards something deeper, towards Jesus. If each one of us did that this week, there would be hundreds of conversations that would be had about Jesus. Isn't that amazing to think about? If you're finding this quite confronting and challenging and you think, oh, I need some support of other people, a, a group of people to help me practice this, well, we have groups for you. We have life groups available, and this is a shameless plug for them because I think it's so important to have a group of people around you encouraging you in this. And this term in life groups, we're going to be talking about this and practicing this together. So even if you've never tried life groups before, how about you give it a go just for one term? If you don't know which group to join, come and have a chat with me after the service. But I guess the question is, why is it important that we practice steering conversations toward Jesus and spiritual things? I mean, it's a lot of effort. It'll take time. It'll take me out of my comfort zone. Why would I do this? Why did Jesus? It says in verse 13, he answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, Jesus saw people who needed hope, who were living but not really living. He saw people who needed to hear that there was a God who loved them and that they could have life and have it to the full. He cared so deeply, it was his focus. It was at the forefront of his mind all the time. All of us know people just like this. People who need hope and they come across our path every day. We need to pay attention, engage them in conversation and be ready for the opportunity to steer that conversation into a conversation that brings life. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I wanna thank you for who you are. 
And I thank you for your example to us, Lord. I thank you that you show us so clearly what to do. And Lord, I pray that we would first of all have your heart within us, a heart that loves people so much that you are willing to make the effort to share good news with them. Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with love and compassion for the people that cross our path this week. I pray that we would practice putting our spiritual glasses on to notice who those people are, that you would give us courage and boldness to to engage in a conversation with them, and that you would help us to steer it towards you, Lord. I pray that as we do that this week, and as we keep practicing that, it will get easier and easier, and we will see more and more people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.